What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. We've got a great show for you today. Mark Zumoff will be on in a pre-recorded interview, uh, 1230. We did it on Friday. Before we get into everything, hit that uh, like, hit that thumbs up, hit that subscribe, whether you're listening on YouTube or you're listening on wherever you get your podcasts and everything. Let's really get that algorithm purring. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. I am jacked up to just trash talk you the entire show, your shitty headlines and your <laughs> dumb, stupid beard. And what else? What do you got for me? I write like a fourth grader. Yeah, you still haven't hung the wall art up. Don't know the difference between a part and a part. Um, what other insults? You can can't I- see me right now, Kev. You can't <laughs> see me. God. What the hell, man? I, I made the mistake of uh, well, I made the mistake of looking at social media yesterday, of course. But the 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 Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark thing, I was like, holy shit! I had to put my phone down and um, take a can, take a break from that for a minute, you know. So can can this uh, country just fall into the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean already? <laughs> can we just get the asteroid? <laughs> I mean, holy shit, that was so intense, man. What is it about what is it about that situation? I mean, like people weren't holding back. I no. think Keith Olbermann, didn't he call somebody like a like a piece of shit or well, uh, I think Portnoy said piece of shit and okay, then shit. Olbermann said <laughs> fucking idiot. Somebody, fucking idiot. The fucking idiot. <laughs> and then, what is going on? Like it's a 20-year-old woman who just literally won an NCAA championship. And those are the two like first tweets that come out. I, I just no. I can't believe people. Like, I was loving the game. We were at a we were at a nice little Irish bar up in Fairmount watching the game. It wasn't even that good of a game. They lost by seventeen. They got absolutely blown out. I had Iowa minus three and a half. I wasn't happy about the whole outcome and everything. But the first thing I didn't do was think classless piece of shit when shit. she went over to Caitlin Clark and just did the you can't see me and put her finger on her ring. But I like that stuff. I like the Michael Crabtree. Um, uh, Richard Sherman stuff. I thought that was amazing. I know that got a, a huge uh, backlash when that happened and whatnot. I, I think, you know, we, if if the AI step over happened today, Kev, are we getting like 15 page dissertations in academia in the highest levels of like Harvard and Yale and all the Ivies about how bad sportsmanship has gotten today? I mean, that would have led first take for 72 hours, the AI step over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we're still talking about it to this day, 20 years later, you know. But no one's ever like, I didn't, I did not. There would be takes about like, I didn't vote Iverson all NBA this year. You know why? Because of that, because he, he, yeah, the step over of Teron Lou showed that Allen Iverson is a classless, you know, Mm -hmm. piece of shit. Now, I guess he wouldn't have gotten that kind of stuff. But uh, it's just funny, man, because like, you know, if somebody, if, uh, so I use the example in the story. You know, if uh, Jalen Hurts did that to right, right in yeah. Dak Prescott's stupid face, we would have uh, <laughs> it would have done like it would have been the greatest, uh, the most clicked on story of all time. You know, it's like I don't, I don't, I think people like fail to be consistent with their takes on uh, on on taunting or showboating because it's like on one hand you like when your guy does it, but then when somebody else does it, they're like an asshole or whatever. You know, and now they're over pleasing it in the NFL. I mean, they're throwing flags for guys who are just looking at like the sidelines. Um, when I'm sure the stuff that's said in the trenches on every single play is probably worse than anything that Caitlin Clark or Angel Reese did, you know. 
So uh, it was just like, it was all the, all the racial undertones of all stuff. And then Shaq comes out and he's like telling people to shut the fuck up and like doing mom and wife jokes. I'm like, what? Hold wait, hold up a sec. Let's just like uh, try to. The funny thing is, it, it's like the people who like make fun of people for clutching their pearls are like the ones who like kind of like clutch their pearls at these different situations and stuff. And I know there was like this whole thing where like Angel Reese went over to her. She sought her out. She was like, you know, stalked her prey and everything. It, it was after the game. No, it was during the game. There was still seven, eight seconds left on the. I mean, we got the one point guard who's gritty and whatnot. But if you go back to what what uh what Craig just pulled up. With the you can't see me thing, like people were like, Caitlin Clark did it when she was walking to the bench. No, she didn't. Haley Van Lith was right in front of her when she did it, saying that you can't see me. That yeah. was like, that was during the game. They were up 15. Like, is that not just as classes if we're talking about, you know, tomato, tomato, uh, apples to oranges right here? Like, yeah. who yeah. gives a shit? Like, it, at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Like, they, like, you've got, you know, to worry about two kids. I've got to just worry about, you know, a girlfriend and being alive. I can't. I, I can't do brain power on Angel Reese versus Caitlin Clark when we just watch, you know, a the women's basketball probably get the most respect it's ever gotten from the popular mainstream yeah. of all time. WNBA, uh, NCAA women's tournament, any women's Title IX sports and everything. I but I cannot use my brain power on having a take on Angel Reese versus Caitlin Clark. No, I know. Well, that's the, the sad thing. You kind of hit on it there. I mean, the tournament was great. I mean, the ratings were fantastic. You had great storylines to focus on, too. You didn't even talk about Kim Mulkey, by the way, who should have been like probably the number one topic, you know, based on the way she's been in headlines over the 100%. years. But, uh, it just kind of distracts from all the all the other stuff, you know, but. I don't know. I think it's like uh, very selective and people getting fired up over this stuff. I don't know how it turned into a a referendum on race, race relations in the United States of America. I'm like, this is the perfect, like fucking melting pot of garbage here. You know, a young black woman and a young white woman. And then, you know, like white check marks are saying this and black checks, check marks are saying this. It's like the, it was like the, the most, like uh, the most 2023 United States <laughs> ever. ever. Yeah. Of all it time. was wild. I mean, I, I tweeted this. Only- Go ahead. No, I think the only thing that's like weird is like people were saying like so. Caitlin Clark is looking over at Lu- the Louisville bench and and uh, Haley, what's her face, right, and doing it right. But so, but Angel Reese and, and Caitlin Clark didn't have any kind of altercation in the game. No, and Caitlin Clark was cool as shit about it after the after the game. She was awesome yeah. about it. She was yeah, yeah. So she just so my my only thing that's corny is like. There was no prior, like, if you want to get somebody back and you got a prior history with that person or you're going at it the whole game or something, you would get it with a taunt afterwards, okay. But, like, Reese goes over to her just because she didn't like her taunting other people or she just wanted to, like, rub it in her face and jaw. Yeah. Like, it's like, it would be like me, like, if somebody had nothing to do with me and they did some, uh, I don't know, some taunt to somebody else, and then I went over and taunted them after that. But I don't have anything to do with the person who was originally taunted. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, does that does that make any any sense? Like, could people argue that flipping into the end zone after you take the ball 60 yards in a charity flag football tournament <laughs> is that a taunt? Is that rubbing it in? No, no, no. Are you going to be invited back to the Eagles Novacare complex anytime yeah. soon? Yeah, the email came out a couple of days ago, actually. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. But I, I don't. 
I mean, if you if you proved yourself to be enough of a dickhead where you were annoying a lot of people and somebody wanted to rub it in your face, okay. But it just seemed weird because she went over to her and did the thing. Was she just, I don't know, sticking out? She thought it was a dick move for her to do it to other people who had nothing to do with her, and she just wanted to get her back for being a dickhead in general. Supposedly like, she got mad at her for – did you see the clip where she waved off the South Carolina – Person, she did the old Ben Simmons. I'm not guarding you at the three point line because you're not a you're not a factor because she doesn't okay. play any defense. Caitlin Clark, she she gets hidden on defense. Yeah, so yeah. they put her on like someone who has like no offensive game. So like she did the old Ben Simmons to her, and that's what Angel Reese said she was mad about. Okay, that she'd let somebody wide open at the three point mm-hmm. line against another SEC team. Maybe she's got friends on that team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's an SC, you know, the SEC people love to stick together. You know, it's it means like, more. It means more down there. You know, so they take the disrespect. I don't know, that's the only thing I could think of. I didn't. Um, oh, Craig's pulling it up now. Yeah, so it's a it's a classic. You know, somebody standing at the top of the three point line, they're not going to shoot sag off of her. But I don't think that's a dickhead move. I mean, you can say that within the the strategy of the game, that's probably a smart thing to do. Right. But if they took it as disrespect, okay. I, I don't know. I just it's like I feel like the morality please come out whenever the women's game is involved, you know. I mean, if this yeah. was two if this was a men's game and two guys were just taunting each other, they'd get over it and nobody would blow it up like they do with like they're blowing up this situation. But it's like, so what, man? It's like they're 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 grown women, they're both technically adults, they can handle it. Caitlin Clark's gonna go to the WNBA, probably playing the Olympic team or whatever, you know. So it's <laughs> She's a big girl. She can handle it. She's going to dish it out. She's got to be able to take it. I think it's really more, any more, any more complicated than that. You know what I mean? The best thing about it, too, is like both these girls have like two more years. So, you know, NCAA yeah. basketball, if they don't put them in like whatever Maui Invitational or whatever Atlantis Invitational they have in the preseason next year, if they don't, if the NCAA doesn't schedule this team again, <laughs> they're idiots. I mean, no, I they have to be just like counting money right now and just counting like everything where it's just like, holy shit, this is awesome for, for women's game. You don't think like a million to 4 million people, 5 million people are going to turn in, tune into LSU versus Iowa next year. I'm turn, I'm tuning into Iowa versus LSU. I watched women's college basketball, Kev. I've I never know. watched a women's college basketball game in my entire life. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's bad. Shouldn't that be the takeaway? I mean, we just spent the first 10 minutes of the show talking about women's college, not really women's college basketball, but a topic from women's college basketball. But now everybody knows who these two players are. I don't, will they know who they are two days from now? I'm not sure, but. Did they know who they were last Monday before they no. just freaked out for the last 24 hours? Yeah. No, 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 no. So that's the, that's the thing. I just think it's like crazy. Like you get into, there's interesting discussions to be had on the surface here, but then you got people on Twitter talking about like colonizers and ghettoizing and shit. I guess I'm like, Whoa, what the fuck are we doing here? Let's just hold up a sec, you know, like, holy shit, you know? Uh, but on the other side, it's like, it's pretty transparent when people are thinking like, it's, Oh, it's fine. If the white girl does it, but if the black girl does it, she can't do it. I mean, like, what the hell are we even talking about here? You know, people are just so far off the off the plot on on both sides of it, man. It's like impossible to get, uh, you know, any, any kind of like rational. We try to bring the rational thought on a rational Tuesday here, you know, but I, I, it's hard to find it. Hard to find it elsewhere, you know. I'll talk to you about a not rational thought. Joe Biden wanted to invite both teams to the White House. I'm over. I'm over. I'm over, <laughs> Jill. Jill, that's not a Philly sports fan thing to do. All right. Yeah. What the hell yeah, is going on? Yeah. Yeah, I think she, she walked, walked back, back from a, through a, like a spokesperson or something. Yeah, um, 
I, I don't know. I guess the statement was just like, she, it was a great game and she wanted to celebrate the achievement of both teams. But, you know, okay, whatever. No, but, she did. And she knows that it, she knows that the caucus starts in uh, in Iowa. She knows what she's doing. She's not uh, an idiot. She's been playing this yeah. game for 50, 50 plus years. She understands uh, where the uh, where the Democratic nom starts. Um, but no, you lose. You, you get your little banquet. The seniors say their speeches. You cry a little bit. You eat shitty food and you go your own way. <laughs> And you leave, and you and you take two weeks off before workouts and six a.m. practice start again. Yeah, that's the what VFW. Where where is the banquet at Lansdale Catholic? It was at the VFW. It was always randomly in Horsham because the coach was from Horsham, so it was like right next to the Carneys <laughs> or the or the Gavins, right next to the Gavins, right on Horsham Road, little Sunoco, little Wawa over there. It stunk. It was some the like Carneys? Italian, huh? The Carneys? Is that what you said? Carney's was like an old bar in Horsham. Oh, okay. I, I think it was more Gavin's. Gavin's was where it was next to, but it was on like this Italian, Italian, uh, this Italian place in this random strip mall with a Dairy Queen. That's all I remember because you used to get oh, banquet and then you just run over to Dairy Queen after. So <laughs> I think ours was it like the like the Gilbertsville Fire Hall or something. Yeah, like that, you know, mm-hmm. like a fire hall or a banquet hall or like a like a VFW or uh, yeah, something like that. Right. I well, I, I did in the story that you wrote like the examples are funny like yeah are they inviting the eagles to the white house when the chiefs for the chiefs so yeah, could you imagine bryce harper having to hear joe biden having to talk about jose altuve uh, and oh, great you know, job yeah great job and like bryce harper's just like sitting there like five five ten feet away from the trophy and he's yeah. just like i, I he, the, well there's like nowhere he'd rather not be i mean it's like that is just ridiculous they're trying to do the, joe biden trying to do the beer summit the old Obama beer summit, taking a playbook out of Obama's uh, Obama's playbook. No, she's just trying to be a politician. She's just being a politician. You know, let's get both sides out here. Let's do a little, you know, fluff thing. Yeah, how we were how we worry about brokering peace in international affairs right now. I heard Israel Palestine's heating up again. How will we broker some peace over there before we yeah, take on yeah. Iowa versus LSU? Let's worry about gas prices. They're up to like three forty four around the corner right now. Let's get the gas prices down. Let's work on taxes. Let's figure out this other shit before we have. Let's uh, get one train to get to his destination for the first time in six months. And then we'll talk about dollars. Dollars. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Let's work on the train <laughs> schedules. How many tax dollars are used to get LSU and Iowa to the uh to the yes. White House. I mean, come on, man. How much did you spend on that spread? That food. At least when the championship teams went there during Trump, he just had a bunch of McDonald's stacked up on top. He probably spent a lot, wasted fewer taxpayer dollars on the cholesterol spread that he put out there versus. Uh, <laughs> it was like it was like that story you did with Gargano and Daryl Morey, where they had like baconators piled up on the table or oh. something. That's what the White um, House spread looked like when Trump was there, when a team would win the championship. Oh, welcome to the White House. We got Big Macs for you. Dude, those clubs and boys are eating good. I don't care what anyone says. Who needs some, like, fine Italian dining or some fine, like, new American dining? Give me some – give me a freaking Baconator and give me a Big Mac and some fries, and let's just get this – let's get in, let's get out, and let's get on with our freaking lives. Now, wait, here's oh the real God. question. When L- when LSU goes to the White House, is the lady who did the get the gat thing, is she gonna is she going to be there again? White, I hope so. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, they got to no, get. That's her. what we need more of. We need more of the of, of 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 black people and white people doing get the gat, and less people of. I don't know if you saw that this. The pregame, the the pregame between uh, <laughs> Iowa, they were like warming up to like High School Musical, like, and then LSU's just like warming up to like this, just like down south. Uh, like a trunk thumping fucking um deep south like oil and water man 
like oil it and water. Like, it's like the cheerleader. Oh. It's like whatever the fuck the cheerleader movie was called, um, where like the white team is doing their oh, routine. Oh yeah, bring it on. See, yeah, bring it on. Then they see the black girls doing all their routine. They're yeah. like, holy shit! That, that's what LSU versus Iowa was in the women's game. Could not be yeah. any more opposite. Like like yeah, we're talking like Midwest versus like uh, yeah Midwest like uh. And I had to pause before dairy I said farmers. That. Yeah, dairy farm. Well, we're talking about women here. I don't want to say anything to me. Bunch of big country. I was gonna say corn fed, but that works for corn like the fed? Wisconsin. No. no, no, no. I can't say that about. Bro, women. did you see? Did you see the two blonde girls? The one girl no. who was the starter, and then no, another no, girl come off the bench. Bro, no, I'm talking about like I'm talking about like Cam Jurgens type, like Nebraska and Wisconsin offensive linemen. I don't want to use corn fed to describe like women. Uh, a couple like big Iowa country girls. You don't think whoever the coach of Iowa is going to like wherever the Iowa farms are, and she's recruiting out of like girls who have been like literally probably plowing the fields since they were like seven years old. Well, I mean, they're not looking yeah. for for people in Des Moines. Well, that's yeah. true. You can go from plowing the fields to plowing over the your defender in the paint. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. very, some boxing out and some rebounds there. That's very. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was fun. I mean, you cannot pick two more culturally like opposite parts of the country, like Baton Rouge and uh, Iowa, Iowa City. You know what I mean? So not saying like watching Glory Road in twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Let's say all the players are from those areas, but still, it's just like such a like a weirdly like I don't know like like goofy kind of thing. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Now we did we did the Boyertown stuff at the VFW or the Fire Hall or the you know the whatever whatever was available. You know, it was not it was not fancy stuff. I, I paused when you said carnies though, because I thought you were talking about like carnival workers. Yeah, there probably were some carnival workers in the bar. So not smell like cabbage. Small yeah. hands. Small hands. Um, well, all right. Well, I'm done talking about those two. Yeah. Yeah. Until next year. We did the obligatory, uh, yeah. you know, Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese thing. Hey, what'd you think? Was segueing from one controversial thing to the other controversial thing. What'd you think of the Briere thing and him getting kicked off the team? Were you, were you, did you expect him to get kicked off the team? There has to be more. That's my first thought. Maybe there's like maybe there's like some stuff that like didn't get caught on camera that we don't know about. Maybe he was a toxic person on the team. I don't know. But I just think like I I I don't think him getting kicked off the team is necessarily the right move unless there's more. I think we've all stood by this where it's like make him do hours of community service with people who are handicapped or ADA compliant and stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he can change his narrative after all that, you know, or maybe he's just a total shithead that we don't even know about. It could just be a total piece of shit. I, yeah. I, I guess my like thought was like, well, it's not his first rodeo, you know, so yeah. maybe that's maybe that had to do with it. You know, if, if Mercy Hurst was his first school and that was like his first infraction or his first fuck up or whatever, maybe they give him the benefit of the doubt or whatever and say, all right, we'll give you a second chance. But if he's already on a second chance, then, then, uh, uh, you know, this is the statement. Craig just pulled up the statement here on, uh, on the YouTube show. It's from Mercyhurst university statement on behalf of Mercyhurst university and Mercyhurst university athletics. Carson Breer has been removed from the Mercyhurst university men's ice hockey team. Mercyhurst cannot comment further on this matter. Hey, this is the most we've ever talked about Mercyhurst before. Is that good for the brand? I got to be honest. I had no idea where the fuck Mercyhurst even was. It's before. eerie, right? It's in Erie. Yeah. yeah. You know, the bustling metropolis known as uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. So I, I don't, I just think it's like, I'm sure they got absolutely blown up with emails and phone calls and stuff like that. And I, I don't, I don't know what's appropriate or what's not appropriate. I mean, everybody's got to decide for themselves. Like the whole point of punishment is to like make the person get it. So does he get it? Does kicking him off the team make it click with him? 
like, hey, well, we're going to try to explain why this is a, like a dickish thing to do. You know, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe getting kicked out of his second school, or he didn't got kicked off the team. He didn't get kicked out of school, but maybe that uh, makes it resonate with him. And if not, who knows? But again, yeah, it's like the, the Caitlin Clark Angel Reese thing, though. I mean, like, like opinions were all over the plot on that shit. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago. We don't have to rehash all that, but I mean, like some people wanted to put the guy in jail, and other people were like, "Oh, it's not a big deal." So I don't know why we just have so much trouble finding the middle. You know, I just feel bad for Danny. <laughs> The dude has so much shit he's got to deal with right now. Oh, I know. He's got a dumpster fire of a team to kind of turn around. And his son's, son's being a dumpster fire. It's like pouring kerosene on top of it. You know what I, mean? I mean, they can't lose. There's, they won't stop losing. So now we're like number seven or number eight, I think, in the uh, Tankathon standing. So yeah, in, a, yeah. in, a, in a four-guy in a four league, he's got to deal with a cap problem. He's got to deal with half the team on – what do they call it? Long-term IR or whatever it is. Coots yeah. got shut down after they were telling that he was coming back and stuff. I mean, there is just a shit storm of problems that uh, I think I'd still rather be Rob Thompson and the Philadelphia Phillies and John Middleton and Dave Dombrowski than I'd rather be uh, Danny yeah. Rare right now on the Flyers. So the Flyers have 71 points. Um, the The odds at tankathon have so like in reverse order they have them like seventh i guess seventh worst in the league so the odds of them getting the number one uh overall pick by their their formula here 6.5 percent they can't lose and the phillies can't win it's wild no i know i know it's it's um i'm it's curious that we made it 21 minutes into the show without mentioning the Phillies. Maybe that was a subconscious thing. No, I think that's good for us. I think we're not really the kind of guys on a rational Tuesday that want to, you know, have fire and brimstone and sky is falling. Um, I kind of look at it as like the pitchers. I think Darren Nolan only threw like 65 pitches, and that was the highest he's thrown in a start. I think Wheeler was right around that too. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, sad to see Tywan Walker. I thought he was going to kind of write the ship last last night. Uh, get shelled. Uh, I don't know what Brendan Marsh is doing out in the outfield or on the base mm-hmm. pass. That's a wild thing. Nah. Um, I mean, starting, two, two brain farts from him, yeah. But also, like, starting Christian Pache on Sunday Night Baseball felt weird to me uh, three yeah. games into the season when you traded one of your best prospects for Brandon Marsh. Um, you know, I, it, would be, it would be interesting to see the takes if they would have beat up on Jacob deGrom the first game of the season and Aaron Nola doesn't let up five, six runs in uh, mm-hmm. in one inning and they lose 11 to seven so um i don't know i mean i, I just i can't do skies falling on a on a on a uh, on a game that is 162 games in the season when uh we had it a lot worse last year with joe girardi and i think we were like 9 10 11 games under 500 when we fired him and then went i think eight and and one over the next nine um yeah yeah i don't know man there's just so many different places to go with the Phillies, you know, I, I look mm-hmm. at uh, I look at the union getting off to a slow start. And I look at the Phillies getting off to a slow start. And I wonder if there isn't some truth to the hangover thought, you know, I mean, that's always oh. just been such a weird concept because I, I just think it's hard to prove. I mean, how do you prove definitively that a team is kind of like, you know, kind of kind of lingering disappointment from losing the championship you know a couple months ago i mean i don't i don't know if there's any way to actually prove that thought but it feels it feels like they just the phillies just look kind of sluggish i, I saw somebody i guess it was stolenness i think on twitter had a point where he thought he he, he thinks that the reese hoskins injury may have taken taken some uh wind out of the sails maybe some of the guys That's what we said little, last week dejected about that yeah we said last week i think 
that's a leader in the clubhouse. Um, yeah. Say what you want about him on the field and everything. Yeah. But when Bryce doesn't want to talk, maybe JT or uh, JT doesn't want to talk or Trey Turner doesn't want to talk. He was usually Schwerber and it was usually Hoskins who kind of righted the ship and said, hey, listen, you can worry about it. I think when after remember uh, Schwerber after the no hitter in the World Series, he was like, well, I'm just going to come back tomorrow and and we're going to play baseball. Like, there's what yeah. am I going to say? Like, you just yeah. come back tomorrow and you play baseball. And I think that's where these guys are thinking where it's like they're not freaking out. I mean, Trey Turner. Bryce, JT, they've all been on really shitty teams before. I didn't you know, expect know them to. know what his falling is. Yeah, that's true. Very successful teams, too. I didn't. Um, yeah, here's the tweet that I was talking about. Craig pulled this up. So John was just ranking what he thinks the Phillies' problems are. Pitchers falling behind, number one, getting out homered, injuries, tough opponents. And then number five, Hoskins lost damper on the clubhouse. They lost their clubhouse leader. Right, that's exactly what you were talking about, Kyle. Um, it does have an emotional effect. Bryce Harper not being there, you know. Um, there's, there's another short off short off season too, you know. But Anthony Anthony yeah. made Anthony made the the point too that the Phillies starters did not throw a lot in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, they really did not, at least not compared to to other teams, you know. And a lot of their inning, probably like half the innings that they pitched in uh, the spring training, ended up going to guys who or ended up being pitched by guys who didn't even make the team. Yeah. So. Um, you know, you look at your program and see if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a conflux of all those kinds of things. I do think the one thing that's kind of concerning is that Rob Thompson has been kind of kind of off. Um, he doesn't seem to be pushing the right buttons. Uh, you know, you talk about the Pache thing the other night. And then I, th- I think they had four. Did they have four lefties on the bench or was it four righties on the bench? Or so? I thought Boshi just kind of like managed him into a corner because they didn't have really anywhere to go. And Pache kept coming up in these like high leverage situations. It's like, well, what the fuck? I mean, you don't have have mm-hmm. a like a favorable option to to go there. So I mean, with the couple injuries they have, it's kind of like it, I guess kind of trimmed down like the the flex or the wiggle room they have to, with the bench to kind of like navigate and my and micromanage a little bit. Um, he he lucked out a lot last year in the playoffs in terms yeah. of pitching changes and in terms of uh, double switches and whatnot. Like I remember Bob talking about it around October where it's like, you know, I think we were talking about, Hey, can Rob Thompson be the future? Can Rob Thompson manage? He's like, yeah, he could definitely manage, but he has, you know, he has gotten lucky with some of the, uh, the moves he made uh, going to the bullpen earlier, going to the bullpen late and what link guys kind of shove through it. So maybe these are, you know, kind of coming to the surface, um, but he also had that he also had that quote when he was with the Yankees. He was like, we just won so much all the time that it took guys a little bit to get back. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it's also like, you know, when you're successful, you know, and, and, and you put so much into a season and you work so hard to get to where they went last year. I feel like it's really hard to replicate that. Not many guys are wired like that. Not many guys. And, and, and you have also your, yeah. you know, your entire offseason. If you're, you're, you know, if you're Bryce Harper. Uh, you have your entire off season where you have, you know, I'm doing this at, at nine o'clock. I'm doing this at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, blah, blah, blah. When you don't have that kind of off season mixed with how hard you worked last year and how much it took a toll on the body and whatnot. I just think it's hard to, to, to replicate and remain that focus and remain still, you know, certain guys, I think like Bryce would have that fire in his body, in, in his belly to get motivated, but there might mm-hmm. be some other guys who don't, you know, kind of replicate that. And that's, you know, that's, that's life. That's, that's sports, you know, yeah. not everyone's built like Bryce Harper. 
No, and I think it's hard too because I try to like you know I don't think most Phillies fans have my perspective because they're probably not Union fans at the same time. But for the people who do watch the baseball team and the soccer team, I, th- I think the difference is like the Union. You could say they're playing in the Champions League, so they have two different competitions going on at the same time. You could say, okay, well maybe right. their brains are kind of focused on the Champions League, and so maybe they're not. That's why they've gotten out to a slow start in the league. The MLS season is also longer than the MLB season. Um, you know, so you could say that there's a subconscious thing going on there, but I don't know. It just, fe- it just feels, I can't explain it, man. I can't put a number on it. I can't put like a, like an actual like piece of evidence on it other than the players come. The only way you could ever prove the hangover thing is that the players came out and said like, yeah, we're just not up for it. Right. And like, yeah. how, no player is ever going to say that, you know, um, this is, um, Actually, a good point here from Patrick, who said Taiwan Walker only allowed four hits last night and started to find his groove. He had a man on first, just got done striking a dude out. It was 3-1 when Taiwan came out, pulled too early. Yeah, and then Junior Marte comes in, right? And so it's like Taiwan Walker needed 30 – shit, how many pitches did he need to get out of the first? 31, 33, or something like that. I feel like these these little fringe things that Rob Thompson was getting right – last year when they were winning it just feels like like that uh that marginal stuff is is not is not there you know um so he's been he's been off too he's been off too i don't know and when you chalk it up to everybody being off everybody except alec bohm really uh we'll try turner too um kyle schwerber can't kyle, kyle schwerber can't get a hit the pitchers don't look great i mean bailey bailey falter uh, actually, actually kind of shoved had the best had the best starts out of them, four of them you know what i mean so it's like but anthony made this point too um it, it's sometimes it can be as simple as they're just not knocking runners in so mm-hmm. he, so anthony in the story that he wrote this morning said phillies are hitting 287 as a team so far this season uh 42 points not 42 points it's point you know four zero four two higher than the league average they also lead the majors with 17 extra base hits but they're only they were two for ten with runners in scoring position against the Yankees and one for eight on Sunday. So, so yeah, they left seventeen runners on base combined in both games. You know, I mean, because they scored a shit ton of runs in the first game, and I don't know. I just my thing was like, I, I didn't. I thought they would get like a two-one in Texas and then probably lose, you know, two out of three to the Yankees. Like, so I had them going. I had them like three and three over the first six. Yeah, they could win the next seven out. They could win, go. They go next ten, seven and three, and they'd still be five hundred. So, like, you know, and I know that's easy to put that into perspective. They've got yeah. to win, you know, that's seven out, out of the next three. But, you know, so we've got Cincinnati coming up. You know, they could. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe. And I don't know. Maybe maybe the Rangers are better than we thought they were going to be. I don't, I don't know. What a lot you of people know. thought they were going to be last year. But, I mean, these are just so many proven guys on this team that I just can't. I can't see them, you know, missing the playoffs. I mean, when Bryce comes back, obviously, but Trey Turner, JT Real Muto, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Wheeler, Nola. Yeah. I mean, the Reds are three and one, but they opened with the the Pirates and um, she, who the I mean, you could put up a couple hits on the on the old Pirates staff. Yeah, and I think the uh, oh, whoops, I clicked on the wrong thing here. The Rangers played. Uh, who did they lost? Oh, they lost to the Orioles, right? So um, I don't know. I mean, it's so early; it's hard to say. But I just don't. It, it would be one thing if like one guy was off or one guy got blown up or whatever, but no, but Nola and Wheeler looked like shit. You know what I mean? Like Kyle Schwerber. Can't I'm blaming that one on CB of the old CB Buckner. CB Buckner. Do you want to talk about the Buckner thing or do, is that beat to death or people? No, I don't think it's really beat to death. I think you wrote about it, you know, having some nuance over that. Like, Hey, listen, CB Buckner sucked, but they still gave up 16 runs. Um, yeah. But CB Buckner did stink. I mean, that Brandon Marsh, 
third strike call when it would have been bases loaded with Trey Turner coming up. I think yeah. at that point they were they were up they were down two nothing maybe down four one I forget what it was but I mean that could have that could have opened the game right there I mean especially the way Trey Turner swinging the ball or swinging the bat already yeah um it's it, when you when you when you step back and you look at it and you be like people actually have money on these games that's when it's like how the hell is CB Buckner allowed to yeah, uh, yeah. open in this league I mean that might have been I don't know how much you look at the umpire sports cards and everything or yeah. after the uh, the report cards after the game but he accounted for two point six three runs. For the Texas Rangers. Well, I mean, that's, that's a four three ball game. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, so here's an exercise, a quick exercise. Like, cause the funny thing is like, well, plus two, what was it? Two six three point two two point six three? Two point six three, yeah, runs. So two point six three runs wouldn't have mattered in a sixteen to three loss. But um yesterday the Reds beat the Cubs seven to six. Uh the Pirates beat the Red Sox seven to six. There was a two-nothing game between the Orioles and Rangers. The Guardians beat the Athletics. 12 to 11, the Tigers beat the Astros seven to six, Padres five, Diamondbacks five. I mean, so there's what six or seven games right there. We're up two, two point six, six, three. Would have three runs, would have been it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. You just see that kind of stuff. And it's like, why are we not doing the road? The, the, I mean, all you need to, all, your only advertisement for robot umps should be CB Buckner and Anil, and Angel Hernandez or Angel, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so it's like, I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't. I just don't want the Philly season to turn into one of those things where it's like we had such high expectations coming into it this year that people are going to be like super pissed off after everything. I mean, because remember the Phillies weren't shit until the summer last year. So I know the circumstances are different, but it's a lot of baseball left to play, man. You know? And now it's going to rain on opening day. Is it really? Why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah. Um, so what was up with the scoreboard story yesterday? The the it was what was the illusion? I didn't really get the illusion, or maybe I can't remember it off the top of my head. They were using the scoreboard space to show ads. So yeah, so do if you remember what the scoreboard looked like last year? Now yesterday, uh, a bunch of um, reporters and stuff went down. They uh, they were showing off the scoreboard, obviously. Now I don't. Someone did reply to the story and said, I think they were showing what it used to look like versus what it will look like now. Craig, I don't know if you can quickly pull that that story up I had. But so if you remember last fake, year... Did we put fake news out into the... We, we might have, but no one corrected me. And, you know, on Twitter, you should use your own jurisdiction and make up your own thoughts mm-hmm. and stuff. So if you see it right here, Craig, if you can uh, if you can zoom in there. So this is what the, the scoreboard used to look like last year. Um I think they're just kind of showing the dimensions and stuff. And then they had the Toyota, the Xfinity, the KDI, the Independence Blue Cross insurance. But they also had like um, an illusion of the sky in the background. And I actually kind of liked it. Pat Gowan was the one who uh, from CBS3 was the one who tweeted it out. I actually kind of liked it. Um, You know, them kind of uh, matching up the sky with the light pole and everything on the advertisements. I thought it was a pretty cool, cool look and everything. I thought it was a really actually a really good. Uh, job of, of of utilizing the space. Um, now I wonder, you know, if we got a gray overcast, if we got a nice little uh, golden hour sunset, can they replicate that? We'll see. <laughs> but um, if you scroll down a little further, Craig, this is what they also showed, and this is why this is what might be happening. What they mean to be doing? Keep going. So right here is how they're utilizing the space. It looks like during the in-game promotions. So they have. You know, Trey Turner, they have the Reds pitcher on the left, the the lineup card on the right, and then they have Coca-Cola in the uh, top left corner, Xfinity, KDI, 
uh, Independence Blue Cross and the NBC Sports um, kind of surrounding it. So okay. I think we I think I did get duped. Um, but if anyone from the Phillies is listening out there, if any of the fans are listening out there, I don't know how the guys in the comments or the chat think about it, but I think it actually is pretty cool if they can like utilize it and maybe change it a little bit and, you know, maybe get a nice little golden hour sunset going on and stuff. Um, but if I had to guess, they probably want to maximize the scoreboard and half the reason why they wanted to, um, expand the scoreboard was for more advertising revenue. Um, got to pay Trey Turner somehow, Krev. I guess the uh, last thing then before we play the Zoom off uh, interview, did you do you have a thought on um, Darius Slay thinking that Mike Missinelli is very ass? So job? I guess Mike was probably well. Mike was on the radio when when he was here. He's been yeah. here for like the last four years. Yeah, yeah. I guess they've never gone toe to toe before. Yeah, because he said that like his uh, he's never heard of Mike, therefore he must be very ass. At his job, which actually, if you've never heard of a reporter, that's probably a good thing. Well, I mean, Mike's, true. Not, Mike's not a reporter, right? So I mean, you say not hearing about Mike is actually makes Mike not very ass, or is Miss Nelly just very ass? Well, if the goal in the media is to get attention and for everybody to know who you are, then you know that I guess that's what Slay's looking at, though. You know, I guess Mike was just kind of ripping him a little bit on Twitter, not like killing the guy, but like, um. Slay's a Slay's a little bit. Slay's got a little like diva in him. He's got a little bit of Kevin Durant, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, AJ Brown. I mean, Mike missed out on a easy Google me opportunity. Yeah, Google me. I should hit him with losing his fastball. Yeah, perhaps he should have hit him with the Google me. Guy switches the podcast and now he doesn't have. He's not throwing. He's not painting ninety eight on the black anymore. He's not coming back with a slider at ninety miles an hour. He's on know, podcast yeah. and he's kind of taking it easy right now. But now it's just funny because the two biggest egos in Philadelphia going back at it, the immovable object versus the immovable force, is just is just awesome. I mean, I, I wish they would have kept yeah. going. And then he del- he came out and was like, "I deleted the tweet for all you basically wusses fanboys and stuff." So you're happy now. Um, well, I mean, yeah, Slay, I mean, I, Slay was, and that was in response to, I think, to Slay going on his podcast and saying he almost signed with the Ravens, which is probably the most innocuous thing that Slay has said all, all season. Like he was just saying, "Yeah, I almost became a Raven." Yeah, and Mike yeah. was like, "I am tired. I'm kind of getting tired of Slay." I don't know what it is. Are people just sick of him being on Twitter? I think um, so. The I don't think it ends like, well for does, Slay. Does he not? Does he just? I, he's got a just got a little bit of like. I don't know like that. He does. He, he, what, what he shows publicly is what the WIP dad has always hated, you know, mm-hmm. like casual on the sidelines will smile, smile after a play or something, you know, clap back at somebody on Twitter. I don't know. It's just maybe it just doesn't vibe with like the old school thought. You know, my, my philosophy has always been, I don't give a shit with Kevin Durant or Darius Slayer. Any of these people say on Twitter is if they back it up, if they go out and play at a pro bowl level, like they're doing. So it doesn't matter. But sometimes it just, like I said, man, I just wonder why these guys like have to be on there. I would I, like, yeah, we said it, man, we wouldn't touch social media if it was the off season for us. And we played in the, yeah, by the way, Philly fan, um, just call what is it the immovable force versus the, the unstoppable force. Versus, versus the, the immovable object. object. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. WIP dad is the outrage for the LSU. Uh, Caitlin, Caitlin Clark. Thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just funny though. Cause like, you know, isn't that, that's 2023 too. You know, Darius Slay and Mike Missinelli, you know, 
Do you think Darius Slay speaks for the locker room when he says that all the Philly media, well, not all the Philly media reporters don't know what they're talking about. There are some good ones, but most of them don't know what they're talking about. You got to think that like if you were talked about every single day, like if, 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 if me and you every single day wrote a couple stories, some tweets, and we kind of do have this already. And people were just like writing stories on how bad we were on how much we struggled today. Like, Hey, Kyle only got three blogs out today. He, you know, his, his tweets didn't get any engagement. Didn't think he did a great job on crossing broadcast. If you heard that, you know, five or six, seven times, like maybe first couple times you can brush it off, but you know, at the starts to get to you a little bit, it eats away at you a little bit. You know, I put out a video and people are like, Hey, listen, not as good as it used to be. And you know, that's going to, oh, that, that's going to stick with you a little bit. Now I'm giving, you know, Ford and, uh, and all these guys in the comments, I'm giving them ammo right now to to uh, to come at me on uh, on Twitter. But uh, but now, nah, man, you got to think it kind of eats at you as an athlete when you're like putting in so much preparation. You're like putting in like you know working on your your body and working on your game and everything, and trying to and you're going through practice, and you're going through film, and you're doing 12 hour, 15 hour work days, and then some guy comes out and be like, "Guy struggled on Monday." Kind of eats at you. Well, they know. Yeah, I mean, I've been in locker rooms too where. Uh... You know, certain players have refused, uh, would refuse to talk to certain reporters, certain media members, just because they didn't think they were getting a fair shake from them, or be where they thought that like they were they were bullshit or they were they were ass, right? I mean, right? Or so a fucking that, weasel? Yeah, or a weasel? Yeah. So it, it does exist, you know. Um, like they know who's real and who's not, and uh, I don't think that outwardly manifests oftentimes in just an out, outright refusal to talk to somebody, but like they'll change their tone and their tenor when certain people are around. I mean, Chris Long said it himself. He's like, people like when Josina Anderson comes around, people got to know what time it is. So they're aware of all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's very, the, the one thing that I've learned, like doing the, the being in, I've been in a locker room forever, but when I was, is that um, when my coaches and athletes go out of their way to tell you that they don't read anything, or they don't pay attention to anything. It means they read every single fucking thing that's written about them. And the first thing they do is Google them or uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Google me. No, they search their name on Twitter after the games, but they pay attention to that stuff. They know who's legit and they know who's who's not. I'm I'm 100 sure that Darius Slay knew who Mike Missinelli was. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but so then as that's, long also they're fair. Technique, that's also a disrespect technique too to claim you don't know who anybody is. You know, that is true. That is yeah. true. Yeah. So as long as they're fair, I think players will respect it. That's all anybody asks for. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, and I think they respect, I, I think they respect people who played the game too, or at least tried to play the game to like the best of their ability. I mean, like nobody's going to be naive enough to think that like you or I could get in the middle of the rugby scrum, you know, cheek push or whatever. But at least like somebody who came from that, that background, or at least like if you played D3 or if you were a college athlete or so, like they would probably respect that more you know um yeah. unless you're doing so yeah 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 <laughs> so I, I don't yeah but it's i don't know it's interesting that whole dynamic is interesting i just i just think it's funny how it plays out publicly on twitter now I mean, he's an old school newspaper guy mm-hmm. now now doing a podcast and like an eagles player says that your ass on twitter you know i mean it's it's an interaction you couldn't have you couldn't have had 20 years ago you know I disagree with this, and then we'll get to the mark, and then we'll get to the mark zoom off. Pagan would definitely argue with the media if he was playing a pro sport. He was going back and forth with the guy who used to kick balls as stats. Now that was a that was an insane that was an insane argument. Yeah. You know, when you're an idiot, that's when I'll go back to you. But I I do pretty well 
All right. There's some people who come for my throat. I know there's some people who come for your throat. I don't respond back. I don't like giving people, if you don't have, if your dog is your profile picture or you have like an Eagles logo as your profile picture or if your face is in your profile picture, I will never come back at you because you're just a loser who hides behind an anonymous whatever. I'll go yeah, to tell you somewhere. Yeah, I've done a better job of ignoring that shit. It's just the thing that like that drives me crazy is when people say stuff that's just not true. Like when they say like, "Well, you're only doing this for uh, for clicks," right? I'm like, "Well, I, we're not like that's the business model is not based on site traffic." So I, like, you say whatever you have whatever opinion you want about you know me or you or any, or anybody or the site or whatever. But like you're just saying shit that's that's not true. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's where they. Maybe that's where like slay and those guys are coming from you know maybe i'd come after one guy yeah maybe they're maybe there's people making up shit or just shit that's false that's what bothers him you know if i was mike trout and elliot short parks called me the most overrated athlete of all time i would probably have to respond to that one <laughs> that's one that you probably have by to the way they're about. talking in the uh comments right now about matt veerling who went four for five last night are we going on a matt veerling victory tour I mean, yeah are we going on a matt veerling victory put him in uh isaiah joe and charles bassey on the uh <laughs> Mount Rushmore of guys that we let get away. We'll talk about Matt Veerling on the next show. How about that? <laughs> All right, yeah, we're already fifteen minutes out of uh, over overboard. So let's get oh, to yeah. our uh, our Mark Zoomoff interview. It was pre recorded on uh, Friday, um, but it's you know Mark talks about his podcast, he talks about teaching right now, he talks about some of his calls that he tried to get going mainstream that actually didn't. So fire that one up, Craig got a good one today we've got broadcasting legend mark zumoff the associate director of the claire smith center for sports media and now podcast host for the fresh 24 with mark zumoff mark i've been told when you retire you take on less jobs not you my friend <laughs> dude i'm busier than ever so i have to say kyle uh not being strapped to an nba team for the first time and 40 years is liberating. It was a great gig. I'm a schleppy kid who grew up in Northeast Philly and got lucky and got to be the voice of the team for 27 years. But there is a huge commitment, whether it's preparation or travel or whatnot. I mean, you're like always thinking and preparing. And so I've taken on some uh, philanthropic stuff. As you may know, I do a lot of work at my alma mater, Temple University. And now Fresh 24, which is a really exciting uh, adventure. I, I feel like I still have the energy to do stuff in sports and sports journalism. And I'm looking forward to having some really good guests. So Northeast guy, Judge Orion. Uh, not at all. I'm a Jewish kid. So I, I used to get beat sure. up by the kids from Judge. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I kid because I care. No, um, actually... Both were rivals of my high school, George Washington High School, back mm -hmm. in the day. And I just remember they, the Catholic schools were football factories, and they would come in, and they would kill us every Thanksgiving. And then there was one Thanksgiving where we had some good players, and maybe they had an off year, and they won. And, and it, really, it was like it was like Independence Day where you beat you know some uh, force from outside of your own <laughs> galaxy. And it was, yeah. uh, it was really cool. So Listen, I neither – Neither, but I have friends. In fact, uh, my old boss uh, went to Ryan, uh, Sean Alexiak from NBC. Listen, I went to Lansdale Catholic. North Penn beat on uh, beat up on us every every Thanksgiving. We, I think we got one on them too, so I feel how you feel. But uh, So, yeah, so the podcast, 
a couple great guests to start it off. JJ Reddick, I saw in your teaser trailer, and then Kate Scott, I believe, was the first episode. What made you want to get into podcasts? I just think it was a natural progression. It was a way for me to stay involved with Sixers basketball. And I enjoy interviewing people. I'm inquisitive. I have natural curiosity. I love to ask questions. I, I feel as though I'm a good listener. And when I see a rabbit hole, I love to go down it and explore further. And the beautiful thing about this is uh, these are going to be people from different walks of life. Coaches, pl- players, of course, current and former, absolutely. But also people who are ha- just happen to be fans. And I'm hoping to get some notable people so we can not only talk about their careers and what it is that they do and their outlook on life, but also what we all share, which is a love of Sixers basketball. So Kate Scott, we just figured was a natural. She took the baton from me and you're going to hear some uh, stuff from her that's going to be really eye opening in terms of the way she, let's put it this way, was not necessarily welcome to Philly. She's very candid about it. And some of the stuff, quite honestly, is is on the shocking side. And then J.J. Reddick, who I think has really added to the quality of sports journalism. I just think that there's, um, you know, a lot of specious stuff going on. There's a lot of yelling, people not listening. And J.J., I think, brings a certain focus and point of view that I think is welcome. And I think you'll like hearing from him as well. And again, we go far afield. We talk about politics and all sorts of things. He's uh, he's a really bright guy. But not much is off the table for people, you're saying. Well, as I said, um, I like if I see a rabbit hole, I will I will go down it. And I think that it's interesting to talk with a basketball player Mm -hmm. and hear their political views or get an understanding as to what else makes them tick or what else they happen to be interested in. And so um, uh, I'm looking forward to being able to do that. And as I mentioned, sharing the love of Sixers basketball, which is what everybody's going to have in common. I, I got one more, Kev. Sorry. Um, so you're retired now. You obviously have so much time on your hands to delve. Well, you don't because you have 17 jobs, but you've uh, <laughs> other times to to delve into things. What have you been delving into, you know, outside of Sixers basketball, outside of broadcasting? What kind of keeps you, you know, really going, really chopping out the bit? Yeah, thanks for asking. So I do a lot of work with Temple University. It's my alma mater. I teach a play-by-play course, which is nice. really fun. And I'll teach it, Kyle, to people who've never done it before, as well as people who are experienced. So it's interesting to break the discipline down to its most elemental level. And I wear a lot of different hats in temples. So one minute I could be recruiting, one minute I could be helping their development department, one minute I'm hosting an event or speaking or something like that. Uh, One minute I'm giving consultation to the dean of the school, David Boardman. So uh, it's a dream gig for me. Uh, I have a lot of people to thank for getting it. But knowing that I was going to retire over about a two-year period, I began to lay the foundation. And eventually it worked. And I was able to just move right on in after I uh, retired in June of 21. You haven't gotten to pickleball yet, have you? You know what? I think that ship has sailed for me. Uh, Yeah, well, you know why? Listen, ordinarily, like 10 years ago, I would be into it, but I'm 67 now, and I'm just trying with yoga and other things to keep my back in order. And uh, a lot of my friends are into it. I'm hearing a lot about injuries and stuff like that. You know, it gets pretty competitive and sometimes a little bit uh, over the top. So uh, I I pick a ball, I'll go and watch, but I'm not necessarily going to participate. 
I think Kyle's just egging me on here because I've been anti anti pickle from the beginning, but my dad plays it. He's 72 or 73 now, you know? So I feel like it's perfect yeah, good for his for age range. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was like right in the perfect age range, but uh I mean, we shall see. It is tennis for old people. It's essentially okay. what it is. You said it not me. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Mark. But, you know, you got to understand angles and that sort of thing, but I don't want to belabor pickleball. Let's move on. Mark, he's been on He's been on this hill forever. That Having a, <laughs> having a staunch individual like yourself is actually just making his argument even stronger. So he's smiling ear to ear in the inside. It, it does help. Yeah, it very much does help. Hey, Zoo, I, I don't, I think it's, uh, oh yeah, this is my original take here. Working on a new take, haven't refined it yet, but I personally believe that if you're under 50, you shouldn't be playing pickleball. Because I just, you know, I still want to go out and play the basketball pickup game. I still want to play the soccer pickup game. I got the rest of my right. life for, uh, for pickle. So that was always the the, the thing there. Hey, I, you know, what I think is yeah. curious about your your story of the last couple of years for you is I think some people retire and they or and they can't let it go. Or, you know, they never will retire. They want to keep working. But I, I, I find it curious that you, you you seemed like when you were ready to be done with it, you were ready to be done with it and, you know, moved on to these these new things. And I'm just curious if you had this stuff lined up or if it was like in your head over the last like four or five years. Or when did you kind of decide that, hey, like once I step away from doing the Sixer stuff, this is what's next? So uh, my final contract was for three years. And when I signed it, uh, my wife and I looked at each other and we said, you know what? Um, we're getting to the golden age of 65, or we could see it, uh, you know, in sight. Uh, let's think about uh, if this is going to be the last contract or not. And I went through the first year and we looked at each other and said, you know what, uh, we think it's time to call it a day. And so, as I may have mentioned earlier, for those last two years, I reached out to Temple. I have a good friend there, Paul Gluck, and we were able to formulate uh, the position that I have now, which I'm very grateful for. And listen, it, it's not easy because, A, it's a tremendous gig. Yes, you do work hard and there's a lot of hours, but come on. Again, I'm the kid from Northeast Philly who covered the team I grew up rooting for. So I never took that for granted. And quite frankly, it's not unlike players who can't walk away. When um, I once interviewed a, an old Negro leaguer, Jimmy Crutchfield, for a documentary that I tried to get off the ground. It never happened, but... I remember specifically him saying to me, and you missed the, you missed that. And so um, there are elements that I still miss. I miss uh, the rush of being live on the air. I miss my colleagues and that sort of thing. But um, I, listen, I, 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 I understand and appreciate my humanity and my mortality. And, and from that perspective, it wasn't hard to say, you know what? You're in the last quarter of your life. You got about seven, eight minutes to go in that quarter. You might as well start yeah. to enjoy some other things in life. And that's what I'm doing. Well, let me um, let me ask you this thing, because I find this curious, you know, like um, when you're doing play by play uh, night in and night out, uh, you're talking about doing this YouTube show now, this podcast where you get to do these long form interviews and you kind of get into topics that you didn't get into before. And I'm just wondering if that's like if that fills a. I don't know how to ask the question. I don't know if that fills a void or provides something different that you weren't able to do when you were doing the you just, you know, play by play part of it. Like, did you do long form interviews back then? Did you have these discussions with these guys for, for NBC? Was that publishing? I mean, I guess I'm saying this kind of lets you explore like a different platform, but you're still doing a journalism in a way, I guess. So I remember uh, I had a really good relationship with Johnny Dawkins when he was a player with the Sixers. And we used to have these long conversations. 
And at one point he said to me, um, you know, we talked about the notoriety of being a basketball player. And he said, and, and Johnny Dawkins is a great guy. And you could talk to him, to him about a lot of different things. And he said to me, uh, you know, I get approached by fans all the time. And all they think that you're thinking is, you know, how am I going to defend the pick and roll? And it's not. I mean, Johnny Dawkins is thinking about, uh, you know, the, hey, did it? Did I, you know, go shopping for my wife, or do I got to pick up the kids? It's that kind of thing. Anyway, uh, the point of the story is, people have many other interests, and quite frankly, as much as we love sports and the aspect of it and the illusion that it creates and the entertainment value that it has, uh, Joel Embiid is not thinking about the NBA uh, 24 hours a day. Doc Rivers isn't thinking about it 24 hours a day. Nobody, I, or most people, I don't think, think about it all the time. And so that's what I want to be able to do is explore other things uh, that the, that these folks are interested in. And quite frankly, um, I have other interests, too. I wasn't always thinking about the Sixers. So, you know, I have political interests. I have um, philanthropic interests. I have viewpoints in a lot of different things. And I always think it's interesting to be able to see that people who we just identify as sportscasters or actors or or basketball players or whatever do have other sides of their life. Hmm. Um, uh, you've obviously done a plethora of broadcasting uh, gigs, you know, coming up through your time, basketball, football. Uh, I saw hockey here, little Philadelphia Wings lacrosse and whatnot. Is there any, or Philadelphia Union as, as well, is there any sport, you know, if it wasn't basketball that, you could have saw yourself going down a path. Say you, you know, say you don't replace Jim Gray. Yeah, uh, Kyle, it's a good question. And I think, uh, listen, basketball is my first love. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to age myself and say this. In 1963, when the Sixers first moved from Syracuse, my father took me to a game. It was the first year the team had spent in Philadelphia. And I've loved it ever since. But I loved hockey for a long period of time. I always loved baseball. You know, I love the birds. Okay. I was at Super Bowl 52. So, and of course I love soccer in the union. So I, I feel like I, I could have gone down any road. In fact, um, I filled in for the late Gene Hart. I filled in for Mike Emmerich mm -hmm. and I would do it for like two, three, four weeks at a time. Mike Emmerich would go off and do the Olympics. And for me, I was, I would say to myself, Hey, I can get used to this. I could do this. So if fate had led me to baseball or football or hockey or some other sport or, of course, soccer, uh, I think I would have enjoyed it as well. But um, fortunately, my journey led me to my original love, my 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 favorite sport of all time, basketball. And I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Do you think you would have enjoyed the pitch clock announcing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I, I'm an old school guy, but I will say this. Um, baseball to this point has taken a long time to play mm -hmm. and we're in a we're in a world now where um, you know we're scrolling and, and things move quickly and yeah. information comes at you quickly and people's time is more important more than ever and so they like to know I think that they go to a sporting event that in two hours or two and a half hours at the most it's going to wrap up Eagles football NFL is different I mean it's Sunday you're willing to make it an entire day. But on that Tuesday night when you're going to yeah. a Phillies game and, you know, it's a school night or a work night, uh, you probably don't want to be there until 1130. So that's one thing I think that the pitch clock helps. 
Mark, this is kind of like a, uh, again, another question I don't really know how to frame correctly, but uh, you know, the show that you're doing is going to be an independent effort, but it's going to be connected with, with buzz sports and Josh um, as, as well. And I wonder like when you were working for, you know, uh, when you were in the quote unquote corporate world, we'll call it that. Did you ever feel like there were like restrictions on you or did you ever say to yourself, you know, I'd love to do like an independent thing one of these days and just kind of be able to say what I want to say or like kind of go off the beaten path here and kind of like ha have have more of a like a, a pathway to, to say some things that maybe I wasn't going to say while I'm a, a play by play guy. I'm not one to stir up controversy. I mean, I have my own opinions and I'll exchange them with friends over wine and dinner and that sort of thing. But I, I would not make a really good sports talk guy. I mean, I guess I, I, I could if I would, or I would if I could, or I'm not sure exactly what I mean there. But I think the point <laughs> the point to my answer to you is this. Um, I, I had a full understanding, Kevin, of what my job was with the Sixers. Uh, they had a business relationship with NBC. NBC was my primary employer. I understood the parameters there and what it was all about. And so I conformed accordingly. Um, any opinion that I had or whatever I knew would be misplaced and would not necessarily be welcomed. Um, I think I was able to give a certain level of criticism within the bounds of good taste and what everybody thought was, uh, you know, within my scope or within what would be expected of me. But, um, you know, it wasn't like I would say, man, I wish I could do this or man, I wish I could do that. I, I was perfectly happy. Uh, conforming to whatever it is I had to conform to. So you know what I'm kind of getting at, right? I mean, this the whole world of sports media world is kind of blurring together now. You have bloggers that are credentialed, right? It's not just like the newspaper guys, right? And then Mike Barkan, you know, gets reprimanded for saying bullshit on television, right? So it feels like it's all just bleeding together a little bit more. You talk about the political climate of the last six or seven years, people going on Twitter, you know, all the stick to sports stuff or whatever. I don't know. I guess the reason I ask that is because I hear from guys who, you know, do that and then retire and then they do like the podcast routine or something like that. And a lot of them have said to me that they just find it to be liberating because they feel mm -hmm. like they can just sort of say what's on their mind or nobody's looking over their shoulder. They don't got to worry about getting a phone call from the program director. Um, but I guess in your mind, you, I guess you don't really feel that way. Yeah. Um, I, no, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm okay staying in my lane. I'm okay um, treating it the way, uh, pretty much the way, the same way that I would treat it if I were still the voice of the team. Um, um, I, I value my association with NBC. I value my association with the Sixers. Uh, quite frankly, I can't control what my guests say, but I'm not interested in egging them on to the point where they would be critical or over the top or, or anything like that. I mean, if they happen to say certain things, well, then, you know, that's on them and not necessarily on me. But um, I just want to explore. I want to let people express their opinions. Um, and I'm curious about how they feel about things outside of either what it is that they do or uh, the realm of basketball. No, I like that. I, I wish more people would kind of just you know, stay in their lane. You know, we have so much information nowadays through social media, through TikTok. I don't know if you're on that, but man, can you fall down a wormhole of TikTok just learning things you don't even understand? Or never so, Kyle, let, let me just say this, and you'll hear in my conversation with J.J. Reddick that we, we don't listen to each other anymore, that all it is is noise. That's all it is. And quite frankly, I think we could solve a lot more of our problems 
if we can at least listen to the other side, try to find some common ground and try to do what we can to reach some sort of a consensus. Not everybody is going to agree on everything all the time, but we have more in common than we think if we would only shut up every once in a while <laughs> and listen and try to ingest what somebody else has to say. And hopefully they would listen to us as well. But We're you know, it's funny. let me here. Let me jump in there real yeah. quick. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that, Mark, because you know Mike Malone and Doc Rivers both said exactly that of the MVP race in the last two weeks. And I'm not sure how closely you follow it or the discourse between like the Embiid Jokic thing, but it's like, well, let's just like the message now you get from the coaches. Like, let's just back up a second here. It's toxic, you know. Let's you don't have to elevate Joel by denigrating the other guy or vice versa, right? I mean, and for basketball purists and for people who like the game, we should just be able to say, hey, both of these guys are amazing. But I mean, I guess that's probably an example of what you're talking about, right? Where it's just it's it's the discourse is just kind of all over the place. Yeah, and you you could look at uh, Fox and CNN and MSNBC and how that's become almost strictly opinion and. We all know now that uh, because it's not a linear world anymore that I can go on my phone and get all the highlights and all the stories and all the scores that I want, that the, the sports centers and those long presentation highlight shows have now been replaced with what? Sports debate. So, you know, it's kind of um, become a self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess, in some respects in that, um, okay, we're going to have all these debate shows now. We got to make it hot. We got to burst through the clutter. We have to make ourselves known because if not, somebody's going to go to Twitter or they're going to go to their phone or they're going to go to, you know, one of like nine jillion um, opportunities because guys, this is all you need now. Okay. Yeah. So if, if I don't like you, I can go to YouTube and find almost anybody. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild West stuff. It's unbelievable. So yeah. you could be a star if you just happen to be the guy down the street. And uh, by the same token, you can ingest millions and millions of different sources of information. So because of that, I think the people who run the debate shows feel the pressure to be controversial and make something out of nothing in order to stand out. And quite frankly, I think it's gotten out of hand. Kev, something tells me Zoo's not turning on first take at 10 in the morning. <laughs> no, but I'm no, not. I'm not. I, 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 quite frankly, I'm not. I, it, it, I, I, if I could sit back, guys, and just hear intelligent discourse, yeah, yeah I'm really interested. I'm really interested in hearing both sides. But when they start screaming at one another, it's click, I'm on to something else. That, that's so funny you say that, Zoo, because my girlfriend the other day walks in the living room. I'm watching Stephen A, uh, maybe going against JJ or probably going against Perk. And she's like, why are you watching this man just scream at this other man? And, you know, you don't think about it because we've known Stephen A, we've known Skip Bayless for so long that you're just like, this is just ingrained in you when you put it on. And you just have it in the background. And then, you know, I turned it on her. I said, well, why do you watch the Real Housewives of New Jersey when they're just screaming <laughs> at each other the whole time? Yeah, they're just yelling at each other. Yeah, and then it's like, well, it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It, and it's the same. It's the same stuff. It's just yeah. presented in a different way. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's funny, though, because Mark and I could probably take this offline and talk about it for days. But I mean, you're you're teaching now and you're doing the coaching and whatnot. And when I see you hold up your phone and show me that everything's on your phone, I'm a person who came from television. And like we would do the 11 o'clock news and you'd sit there and you get the sports and the weather and the whatever. Now, why would I stay up until 11 o'clock when I got it right here? That's you know? right. So like the people That's right. like. The people like you now who are teaching the, the kids of, of the of the next generation, John Kincaid and everybody who's involved in Temple and whatever, like those are real conversations you got to have with the students because like you're getting into a fundamentally different journalism world 
than than we entered. I wouldn't even call it journalism anymore, right? I mean, it's like who's who's has the best content, you know? Because anybody can do. We're doing a YouTube show. You're doing a YouTube show now. I mean, it's all you know what I'm saying. It's all like right. one jumble. I wonder if what you think of that, and if your students get that. Um, the thing that I try to impress upon them is two things. One, um, you don't have to be five seconds ahead of the other person. If you're competing on a story, let's say better to lay back for a little bit and a get it right, which is still the most important thing to me or B hello. And this is something that people don't do anymore. Get both sides of the story. Um, there, there's too much implication, inference, uh, uh, people just throwing stuff against the wall just to see if it sticks. And it's, it's really eroded the journalistic fundamentals that I grew up with. And quite frankly, it's, uh, it's, it's very bothersome to me. You must be learning a lot in your class, just as much as as you're teaching them, they must be teaching you. A great point, Kyle. That's a great point. Um, I, I've, fashioned a phrase and I didn't make this up somebody said when one teaches to learn and so while I'm there um, a, a lot of times I'll reverse it and I'll say to them teach me talk to me about um, you know what the Brooklyn Nets were doing they were doing something with uh, artificial intelligence I don't know what it was some sort of a 3d thing and I'm like really they can actually do that <laughs> so um, and, and and I I mean, I think that's important when you get older anyway, is to always be open minded and listen to uh, anybody because you can learn from from anyone, virtually anything you should be learning all the time. How do you think gambling would have changed your broadcast? Were you any interested in it? If like the guys from NBC came to you and be like, hey, listen, we need you to read off the points, bets, ads. I mean, obviously, you're 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 a great employee, so you would do what they said and whatnot. But how do you think uh, gambling would have would have changed some of your broadcasts if you can maybe think a couple years so as I see it now, Kyle, it seems as though pregame, halftime, postgame, or perhaps an alternate channel, they're handling all the betting aspects, and they're keeping the announcers pretty much out of that. I know on occasion I'll hear an announcer. I heard one of the NBA announcers, there was a game where their team was beating the other team by, I don't know, X amount of points, and they were going to win the game. But somebody from the other team threw in like a half court shot in the end and, and, you know, said something about being a bad beat or something like that. So, you know, I've heard some of that kind of stuff, but I would say um, on the whole, I think right now, anyway, that's um, that's being handled by people other than the announcers. That said, you know, with regional sports networks now morphing into something else and who knows what their future is. I think that a lot of their future is going to be dependent upon gambling, which, by the way, if you like I'll watch CNBC and I see that, you know, the the points bets and and all those companies, their 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 stock is is going up straight up. Zoo, I do have to ask you, I know you're you've been a longtime Philadelphia Union supporter Um, since we last talked or since I last saw you, I guess they had their best season ever. They went to MLS Cup. I felt like there was a palpable buzz. You, you they were minutes what, away from. They were minutes I, away from I, winning I, it all. Look I'm, at you just pulling the bandaid off the scab here. I, was saying, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I, know, man. <laughs> I was trying not to relive that specific moment, but I. I yeah, right. You, you know, I'm always uh, my my thing has always been I'm interested in the growth of the game in the, in the city, and I, I'm wondering if like when you watched that and when you saw the run that they went on, did you feel as though like people were kind of saying we're, we're jumping on board or sh- like showing more respect for the team or that they were making some inroads with that. 
I would like to think so. It's like anything else, Kevin. If a Philadelphia sports team gets to a championship, it will bring in the casual fans or even fans who have no idea, but they're just tuning in because of curiosity. Uh, I always heard, even in the 60s and 70s, when I was following like the North American Soccer League and and leagues like that, that, well, the, the future lies in all these kids who are playing every Saturday and Sunday out on the fields, and they're going to be the, the future fans. But I think MLS in many ways has gotten it right with the uh, soccer-specific stadiums. I think they've gotten into some markets now where they really embraced it. St. Louis, which was always a hotbed. Charlotte, who knew? Atlanta, who knew? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think there is a fair amount of uh, soccer uh, fans in Philadelphia. Uh, not. Not as many as I would like, but, um, you know, there are, and, and, and I think some of them are actually soccer snobs that they'll, you know, root for their premier league side, but they yeah. won't necessarily, you know, come out and watch an MLS game because yeah, they don't Pagan, think it's all that good. Pagan's one of them. Oh, is we that right? A, yeah, we have a term for them. We call them Euro snobs. <laughs> Euro snobs. You know what? I'm sorry, Kyle, but I actually kind of like that. Listen, it's not, <laughs> it's not premier league. Premier league is, is, you know, probably the best league in the world, but, um, it, it's not bad. It's pretty good. It's, uh, I tell people that, uh, MLS, sometimes it's like watching a couple of really good, uh, basketball teams from, I don't know, pick like a, like Spain yes. in a professional league playing. Thank it's you. like Thank that you. kind of a thing that, where, that, yeah, it's pretty good. You might have good. some expatriate uh, NBA guys over there, that sort of thing. And overall it's, it's pretty decent. It's not premier league, but it's ours and it's live. And, and I really like it and I'll, and I'll be there as often as I can. See, Zoo is making the point that I've been trying to make for like 10 years now, because people will sit here and they'll say, I'm not going to watch the Union because they're not the best soccer team. Do you think that somebody in Greece who is an L.A. Lakers fan where they love basketball, do you think that guy's not watching his hometown Greek team play basketball just because the Lakers are better? No, they support both. They support local. They support pick a team, Panathinaikos, right? So they watch them. And then they watch the Lakers too. I just, I think my hangup mark is like, I don't know why for a town that's so provincial and a town that talks so much about how local they are, how much they love about Philadelphia, they don't care about that. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm inclined to agree. I don't, I don't, I'm not privy to the Greek sports fans or whatever. By the way, all, speaking of Greece, it's interesting that you would bring that uh, country up only because Allah told me, Allah Abdonabi, my former color guy, who played professionally in Greece, that basketball is actually bigger in Greece than soccer. Yeah, wow. I would believe it. Yeah, and probably in Turkey, like that part of like where Europe turns into Asia. I mean, we, we had uh, Kevin Owens on the show, Mark, uh, the guy from Monmouth who played at Monmouth, and um, he played in Kosovo where he was talking about mm. it just being crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah, but that's the thing that I always say. It's like you, you, if you, ha- you talked about Spain, I'm sure the FC Barcelona basketball fans watch FC Barcelona basketball and then they'll watch the Sixers and the Nuggets. I don't I don't I guess I just don't know why it has to be like mutual exclusivity here. Like I can only watch this or only watch that. I'll watch Arsenal on a Saturday and then I'll watch the Union 10 hours later. So yeah, it's I, soccer. It's a beautiful it's a, it's yeah. a great game. And I have to tell you that, uh, Kevin, I don't know as much about the game as you do. But I just find as I peel away, I apologize for the parking dog, as I peel away the onion of the game, it just becomes that much more interesting in terms of 
tactics and, and, and everything. I love the fact that I don't know a lot about it and I enjoy uh, the discovery each, each and every day. You still go, are you going out of the game this year? Oh yeah. I split season tickets with a neighbor of mine who actually is from Iran and he absolutely loves the game. And uh, what we do is we split the season tickets and then when it comes time for playoffs, we go together. Cool. Yeah. Mark, did he prep you on these questions before you coming on? Because now you've just strengthened <laughs> two of his arguments here. Kevin and I, we're, uh, you know, we're, <laughs> you're I'm insane. sorry. Listen, Kyle, I, I'm starting to love you, but we're, uh, you're new to, you're new to the group here. Yeah, uh, Kevin, true. Kevin and I go back with our soccer love and I, I was on his podcast and yeah. I enjoyed talking about the old Spartans and Fury and Adams yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. It was the first, great. The first time I, I bumped into Mark was that was at a Philadelphia Union practice session because wow mark, you remember that yeah because mark was i remember because you were getting ready as somebody couldn't do the game probably filling in yeah so you can you did you called the everton friendly in 20 2011 oh my goodness i can't believe you even remember that i remember mark you remember it right no uh barely <laughs> i'm 67 guys I'm, oh don't blame it on the age yeah right well He's a little forgetful. You, you'll see. You guys will see what happens. You know, getting out of bed in the morning, and then like some of the simple stuff you forget. It's, uh, yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Well, I had an adventure with my one-year-old this morning. She got into my wife's nail polish bag and then dropped the thing. <laughs> nail polish. I've got nail polish everywhere. She's got it on her her hand. The entire house smells like nail polish because apparently the nail polish has like the strongest chemicals on the. In, in, oh in the world. So I'm I'm doing the two little kids thing right now. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's the. Uh, Oh, there it is! Look at this! Wow. Uh, Look at yeah. him! First of all, uh, your your producer Craig, yeah. the yeah. fact that he comes up with this stuff like yeah. this, um, mm -hmm. I, I, that that that's top notch. Yeah, that's yeah. top notch. Yeah. I mean, look at that! July nineteenth, twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. The guy's good at Boolean search. This is when I think I tweeted every single thought on my mind or whatever, but I do remember. <laughs> yeah, that but the, the fact that he unearthed this is, is yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Don't, yeah don't, you know, don't say too much. Gonna go to his head. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm I'm glad that we've always had you on our side as far as the beautiful game because it's you it's, bet it's, uh, it's, always it's not been easy uh, sledding as you as you well know, but uh, always yeah. always. Yeah. I got I got one more, and then we'll get you out of here. You go start your weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's with what's happened to the zooisms are, we, are they just dormant right now or do you still you know kind of wet your whistle when you know the microwave gets under 24 we go and shot clocks unplugged you know do you go around so, the house and say them i i think kate will pull one out every once in a while and yeah. a lot of times what will happen is somebody will be watching an ncaa tournament game or something like that and you know i'll get hey we're coming in for a landing yeah. i did um i did copyright garbage into gold good so Smart. I own the, uh, or is it trademark? I'm not, no, I think it's copyright. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so I have that, and it, what what I what I enjoy doing is now taking a phrase, you know, hang on, Oliver, coming in for a landing, and selling T-shirts and and donating the proceeds to charity. So uh, I do that. Um, I have one can of. I'm looking at my uh, beverage fridge here. I have one can of Zooism's beer left, <laughs> and I I don't know. Maybe I'll drink it for a special occasion but yeah you know that uh you know it's funny and and i don't want to belabor the point but you know you wonder about your journey and life and you get more perspective as you get older but you know for 13 years i was the halftime guy and i always wanted to be the play-by-play -play guy but being the halftime guy served me so well now in retrospect all the different things that i learned and one of the things that i learned was 
I would script tons of features. And the fact that I became very comfortable with writing helped me to be able to craft phrases as a play-by-play guy. So you say to yourself, hey, you're stuck as a halftime guy, boo-hoo. But in retrospect, it turned out to be um, a great learning thing uh, in my journey. Off the top of your head, do you remember one that like you wrote down that might have not worked? You know, that wasn't a garbage into gold or hold on, Allah, we're coming in for a landing. Do you remember? That's a good question. I don't typically write them down. They just kind of come into my head. But um, I'm trying to I, I referred to Tony Kukoch as Tony Cool for a while. And that didn't yeah. fly. That was that was not good. Um, just the trying Croatian to think Any, anything else. I mean, oh, there was one time where uh, when Iverson and uh, Stackhouse were playing together and I was in Madison Square Garden and they actually won the game and their uh, Iverson was a rookie. And I'm, I'm looking down while I'm announcing the game and Marv Albert is like 15 feet away. And I'd begun to say, you know, Iverson for three, yes. And I'm looking and I'm saying, that's Marv Albert. He says that. I got to say something different. So for that one game, I said, here's Iverson for three. Yeah. yeah. And that <laughs> didn't work either. And that didn't, and that didn't work either. So. I said to myself, you know what? Yes, it's just a word. I'm going to keep saying it. I 100%, I 100%. Now I can think of all the times you have highlights that I've watched back where you say yes. And if you just replaced it with yeah, I don't know if they would have had the same kind of juice. So thank God you just went with yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Hey, Mark, thanks. We appreciate the time, man, for real. You kidding, man? Listen, and uh, be- before we go, uh, I apologize here. I just want to reference my talking points. Uh <laughs> Please drop a follow to Fresh24 with Mark Zumoff on all social platforms and, and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And again, we drop our first one Wednesday, April 5th at 6 a.m. Kate Scott, who uh, is going to open some eyes with some of the things that she has to say. Cool. That, that she has to say. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mark. We really appreciate it, man. You got it, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Well, there it is. Thank you to Mark Zumoff. Thank you to Kevin Kikay. Thank you to Craig behind the scenes on the ones and twos. Go look out for Mark's podcast. First episode with Kate Scott is tomorrow, followed up with uh, JJ Reddick and more to come. Uh, We'll talk to you Thursday when the Phils are two and four. Phils will be two and four. Have a good rest of the day.